name of Jesus, I thank you, praise you, glorify your name. It's good to be back home in the house of the Lord where you've placed us. It's good to be here. It's, it's wonderful to be with the people that you have put in this congregation. We're all a family. You said you would send your very best, and I'm very grateful for your very best that's here today. I praise you, and I thank you, and I glorify your name that you've placed us together for a purpose and a plan in this time. You told Pastor and I years ago that it would be in the last of the last days when that this church would bloom and this church would come together. And so, Father, we've waited patiently for your glory to be poured out in this house. And I thank you, Father God, that we are entering into those times that you promised us about, that you told us about, that many things have been shown us, scriptures have been given us, and they all drove together. And I believe that we are entering into that time. And I rejoice in the things of God, Father, because you are great and you are good and you have a plan and a purpose for every one of us in this hour. And I give you the glory in Jesus' name. I yield myself to you, spirit, soul, and body, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will teach through me. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, the impossible to possible. This is the nugget my, my dear husband always gives, always gives us such a great nugget, and it is, and I do it differently than he, he does it. I will say it twice. In the realm of obedience... There is no middle ground. In the realm of obedience, there is no middle ground. You know, there's only one way if you're going to operate and walk in obedience. There's only one way, and it, and it goes according to the word. So in the realm of obedience, there's no middle ground. And there's always a time when, when the enemy gets on you and you want to turn to the left or the right, but we have to continue doing what God's shown us to do. And we go through things in our, in our life that are hard. They're, they are very difficult, but God knows how to change and turn everything around. And that's where we have to yield ourselves over to him and allow him to have full control in every situation and every circumstance. I know um, Pastor and I was sharing when we did praise reports earlier for a prayer. This was probably the best vacation, at least the most relaxing vacation we've ever had. This hotel was huge. We got lost, what was it, three times? <laughs> it had all these underground tunnels and things. One time we had to call someone up and have them take us back to our room. That's how huge this place was. But we were on a side where they had just a certain amount of rooms that were oceanfront rooms, and it was beautiful. And so we stayed in our room most of the time because it was so beautiful, so peaceful. I think we went to dinner and lunch, what, four times maybe? And um, we went to the other end of the island once. We just relaxed and enjoyed ourselves and enjoyed the things of God, just God and the peace that passes all understanding. Um, I bet many of you know we lost Buddy, and that was a horrific thing for us. I can't even explain it, but he, I see him as in my future. The day after, pastors, Pastor literally went through the Bible, I've shared this, and found all scriptures of animals being in heaven. Which, and then someone was so gracious to bring us over this book because I'm on a, a Maltese website. I'm just sharing this. Um, I'm on a Maltese website, and they all kept saying, he's waiting for you on the, what is it, the Rainbow's Bridge. Bridge. I couldn't figure out, what are these people talking about? And um, the lady that used to watch um, our dogs for us when we'd go on vacation, Dorothy, came to, to meet Levi and see Benjamin and brought this book and it, it gave such, um, how can you explain that book, honey? Such hope, it was, I can't explain it, but I see him in my future. And so many times we have to see what the Lord says and, and move on. And I know that he's having a blast where he is right now, he's waiting. 
He's waiting for us to come. And so those of you I know have lost people this year, family this year, they're in your future. And um, I don't, you know, I, the way things are going in our country and the world, I think we're going to be there sooner than we think. We need to be ready and prepared, thank God. So um, expecting the impossible to change will require just more than hope, so maybe so, mentally thinking. It will requiring knowing God and his word. These two things, knowing God and his word, who you are and what you are capable of doing. So we need to know these things. It will require knowing God and his word, who you are and what you are capable of doing and how do we find out what we're capable of doing through the word of God. So that we have to, we need to know that we know that we know what the word of God says no matter what. No matter what anything else says, God's word is truth and it will not change. The circumstances might look ugly, they might look horrible, but God never changes and his word never changes. Thank the Lord. And so when God wants to do the miraculous, he starts with the impossible and turns it into reality. God blesses us in spite of ourselves. How many know that? He blesses us in spite of ourselves. To experience the impossible becoming possible, we must have be, be stop. To experience the impossible becoming possible, we must believe the promise of God. The promises, uh, the promises of God is the revelation of his will. So the promise of God is the revelation of his will. So if we believe, the, no, you know, we have a choice every time we read something. Is this true or is it not true? And some things God say, says to us at the time and the things that we're going through are hard to, oh, what's the word I want? Hard to not believe, but hard to accept at that point or hard to understand at that point. But God knows. And he knows. And we need to just look at his word and say, Father, I receive it. Even though a situation or circumstance might seem so terribly impossible. And I've seen God change things overnight. I've seen it, I've seen it take a while. We just have to stay, stay true and stay strong in the things of God. No matter what, you know, people will tell you you're crazy for believing that. I find it better to sometimes not speak out what you're believing to or believing for except to someone that you know that can believe and agree with you. Because sometimes I've found for myself, there are times when God will tell me something and he'll say, don't say anything to anybody. Just don't even, don't even say it out there, but you and I talk about it. And, you know, there's times that we keep it inside. Some people get too fast on what they're saying out there and that gives the enemy an opportunity to get in there and block the time some. You understand what I'm saying or bring doubt and so we have to be so careful who we share things with. I'm very careful and um, but it's going to happen anyway no matter what. No matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody does, I know what we watched um, the night of the, what'd you call it? what would you call that? The night when all the votes were coming in and it, it didn't look really good. And, and um, at one point the Lord said, turn off the TV, just turn it off and start praising God. And so we did, we sang, uh, it's a good, good father. And we just started praising God and rejoicing for God. And then he said, turn it back on. And Trump had won several, many of the states. And it was amazing. And then at another point, the Lord, I went in the bathroom. And a lot of you know that God talks to me in the bathroom. And I came out and I shared with pastor, we need to turn it off for a while 
and we need to go through this scripture. And I'm going to go through this scripture because you might be going through some things in your life and this is a good scripture to stand on. And I've shared it before, but I'm going to go ahead and share it today in 2 Chronicles. Verse, uh, chapter 20, and then we know the Moabites, Ammonites, and the Minyanites came against Jehoshaphat. We have talked about this many times to battle. How many have ever felt like everything's coming at you at once? And we know what Jehoshaphat did. Um, he feared. It says in verse 3, he feared. But he feared and he set himself determinedly as his vital need to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast in all of Judah, and Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. Even out of the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord, yearning for him with all their desire. And then he goes on to talk about, he starts talking covenant talk to God, and that's where we need to learn there are, in our life, when we're, we are dealing with situations and circumstances, we need to talk covenant talk back to him. It's so very important. And if you look down here in verse 6, um, he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nation? Now, this is the thing that God told me, shared with me, to go out and share with Pastor Dave and for us to proclaim this. And so I did as I was told. Um, and do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations and your hand is your in your hand our power and might so that none is able to withstand you? Did you not, O oh God, O oh, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. Hey, Abraham is our father, and this is our land. The, the United States of America is God's land. And so um, they, they dwelt, and he goes on to say, in verse 9, if evil comes upon us, the sword and judgment or the pestilence or famine, we, we will stand before this house and before you for your name and the symbol of your presence is in this house and cry to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. Hallelujah. And now behold the men of Ammon, and he goes on to tell them, he said, whom you would not let Israel invade. They came from the land of Egypt, to whom they turned. Behold, they reward us, verse 11, by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not exercise judgment upon them? For we have no might to stand against this great company that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And, jo jo and, and all of Judah stood behold, before the Lord with their children and their wives. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, and it goes on to say, and he told them what to do. He told them to go out, and the minute they started to praise him, they, he said, send praises out there. The minute they started to praise him, God sent ambushments against the enemy and they all killed themselves and they went in and Israel went in and gathered up the spoil. Well, we spoke these words, these covenant words to God and then we started worshiping God again. We turned on the TV and it stayed at two, 254 that he had and Hillary, I can't remember what she had for a while. She told her guy that's in the occult to go up there and 
to go and tell them to all go home. Well, of course, they've already, they'd already told her. She, didn't ha she did not have a speech of, that she, uh, um, a speech of defeat written. She, she thought that she was going to win this thing, but God knew better. God is great. And we need to look at this in every circumstance and situation in our life. God knew better. This guy, is the, he's in the occult. That he, she had come, come tell the people to go home. I'm here binding it all. And we, I said, well, as far as I'm concerned, we know he's going to win. We'll go in, the, in our bedroom and turn it on in there after we get everything else done. We went in, turned it on, and Trump had won. They'd given it to him. It was that fast. I'm not saying we had anything to do with it, but they had people, they had the Israelis were on their faces praying, and people from all over in Israel, on their faces before God, praying for this nation, church. This is how powerful God is, and this is how powerful his word is. And we need to speak forth his word and his covenant. We cannot allow anything other than what his word says to come out of our mouths. We're at, we're at this time in our lives right now that God is going to be moved by his word and his word only. Hallelujah. So to experience the impossible, becoming possible, we must believe the promise of God. The promise of God is a revelation of his will and purpose. When we act in obedience to his will, he will back us up. When we act in obedience to his will, God will back us up. Hallelujah. When we we can be sure that God will fulfill his promises. We should not step out recklessly, recklessly in, attempting to, in attempting the impossible, but ensure that we have the promise of God in that situation. To, the, to experience the impossible, we must believe the promise of God with all of our heart. This is where most people miss it. They don't have the promise of God in their heart. They don't have it written down for what they're standing for. And so they're just jumping out there. And when, when things don't go right, what do they have to go back and tell the Lord? Or what do they have to go back and stand on? The only thing that we have to stand on is his word. And he is not a man that he should lie. That's why I always ask people when they come up and they say, will you pray for me for such and such? What scriptures are you standing on? So I know what, that they know that they've stood on the word and I can get in agreement with them. How many have ever had come to me with something and I've asked you, what scriptures are you standing on for this? Because we have to have scriptures. If we are going to fight a fight, the good fight of faith, then we have to have the scriptures to back it up. Just like they did here, like Jehoshaphat. He called everybody to a fast. You know, pastor asked everybody to come down the night before election. Come down and pray. Praise God. He gave everybody a sheet. I have it right here to pray for every day. I'm not going to ask for hands, but how many did it? You know, when God gives pastors something like this, I will tell you, it takes him hours. He just doesn't do something like this. It usually takes him a day before God to get these things. I just, I just kind of want you to know this. And so we should not step out recklessly in attempting to the impossible but should ensure that we have the promise of God in that situation. To, to experience the impossible, we must believe the promise of God with all of our heart. You know, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. By combining these several, seven biblical principles we can be confident to, of the outcome that I'm going to give you. Number one, 
promise. God is a covenant God. Like they told him. They're trying to kick us out of the land that you have given us. America was set up as a Christian nation. They've tried to kick us out of our Christian nation for years and have almost succeeded. We needed someone, God, someone that God chose to get in there, even though people, a lot of people don't like the way he acts, so some people don't like the way I act. But he knows what he knows and he knows what he wants to do. Go for it. Like he said at one point, what, what, why don't you give me a try? She's been in there for 30 something years. I mean, come on folks, when somebody's done nothing for 30 something years, then you need to change it, amen? So everything we do, we need to do on the promises of God or I wouldn't be here. Roman, not sorry, Numbers 23:19. if we'll look at some of these. Numbers 23:19, and write them down because these are going to be some of them you want to stand on. God is not a man that he should lie, that he should tell or act a lie. Neither the son of man that he should feel repentance or compunction, compunction for he, what he has promised, he has said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? I'm going to read it out of the King James. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. But he has said, and shall he not do it? Or, sh or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Praise God. Behold, I have received commandments to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. We cannot reverse what God has said. He does not lie. Let's look at Isaiah 55, 11. Thank God. We, we don't serve somebody that's wishy-washy. I am so grateful that I did not die and go to hell because that was the route that I was on that that a backslidden believer walked into a bar one night <laughs> and a friend of mine, they had met each other. Neither of them belonged in a bar. They had met each other sitting on each other on the stinking bar stool. I'm talking about pastor. He looked like a duck out of water in that bar. He did not belong in that bar, but thank God, God sent someone in there right after I got my divorce, or I would have been a mess, that started telling me about Jesus, even though I was so demon-oppressed that I would throw things and practically, I probably growled a few times, but thank God, God cared enough. There were people praying I'm sure from the private school my mom sent me to, there were people praying that kept me out of hell. And God sent someone that knew Jesus Christ as their Savior that stood there and stood on God's word and at one point said, I've had enough of this stuff. I've got to come back to God. You know, when he did that, it was either the next day or the day after that that I got saved. When you get when you get tired of things and you say, God, I'm make, putting you in first place in this thing, then God can move. So there might be some areas in every one of our lives that we need to scrape some things and say, I've had enough of this and I'm going your way, God. Isaiah 55, 11. So my words, so shall my word be that goeth forth out, forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I 
please, and it shall prosper in the thing where to I sent it. Let me tell you, when you are in a situation where you need God, you put a watch over your lips immediately and you keep your eyes on the word and on Jesus Christ and you have your scriptures that you're standing on and you are not moved by anything you see. Trust me, the enemy will try to make you get your eyes off of that and confess something else. And if you're married, you, get your, you and your mate have got to line up to this thing immediately and start speaking what the word says. Start speaking covenant talk. Praise God. In Romans 4, 17. As, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. And being fully persuaded... What he had promised, he was able to perform. Hallelujah. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness sake. Now, it was not written, verse 23, for his sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but it was also, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Hallelujah. It's for us also, church. Thank God. Thank the Lord. You know, I had, um, God had told me, and Pastor, I guess, wrote it down and remembered it, that Buddy wasn't going to be with us long, and that was last November. Get your, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for this. God gave us up to April. Interesting enough, Levi was born in November, around the same time that God told me that Buddy wasn't going to be with us long. And someone else had, was, Levi was promised to someone else, but the person waited and waited and waited and finally called her and said, um, I'm not going to take the dog. By then he was seven months old. God knew everything. We need to realize, church, that, and I'm not, I'm just bringing this up for something that we can look at. God knows everything ahead of time. And I was not looking, trust me, for another dog at all. That was not something, but God provided. God always provides. And we need to realize this. And this, these promises are given to us. And it's amazing. I honestly think that Benjamin is closer to Levi than he was Buddy. It's amazing to me because we almost lost Benjamin at the same time. A lot of you don't know that. But he's, I, I think it, it's amazing to me how God can work things out. We have to look at situations and then turn our head away from it and say, I'm looking to you, God, instead, and I'm not going to look backwards. Like I said, buddy is in our future. Things are in our future. We have to let go of some things and let God have them. Amen? Okay. Um, so we need to be fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. When we read the Word of God, we have to be fully persuaded that, that, that this is God. One of the scriptures, this was part of us, the scriptures in here where God told us about coming to Santa Maria. 
that he was sending us to a city whose maker and builder is God. And then he said to me, and Sarah herself shall receive strength to conceive the seed. I thought everything was going to happen when I was young. I didn't think, good night, 70, 70, then 71. But God knows. I'm standing on the word, keep me young, Lord. Amen. So God is, all, God is also known as El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. Is God more than enough to you? He's more than enough. He knows how to change things. He needs how to make things. He, know, he, need, he knows exactly what we need at the time that we need them. So we, we can't look at the circumstances of today. Because if we do, we'll begin to speak defeat and unbelief and fear and everything else. So the second thing is prayer. To experience the impossible becoming possible, we must have an effectual and fervent prayer which availeth much. Elijah prayed earnestly and nature responded to his prayers. Jesus told us to pray and not give up until we get the answer. Pray and don't give up until you get the answer. To experience the impossible, we must pray fervently and persistently. I'm going to read this again because we need to hear it. To experience the impossible, we must impossible, becoming possible, we must have an effectual and fervent prayer which availeth much. Elijah prayed earnestly and nature responded to his prayers. Jesus told us to pray and not give up until we get the answer. To experience the impossible, we must pray fervently and persistently. How is your prayer life? I ask you, how is your prayer life? In James 5, 16 through 18. You cannot live without a good prayer life. I'm just going to tell you. This is something you cannot slack, up, slack off on. Even after your kids move out of the house, trust me, you're going to be praying for them even harder then than you do when they're little. It was really neat. We were, we were blessed to um, one of the guys that was getting our car. Um, was it him or was it a bellboy that brought stuff up through? Anyway, we were, we were blessed. One of the guys was already a Christian that I'd talked to. And uh, we talked about the churches on the island and things. Well, this other kid didn't know the Lord that we talked to. And um, kid, I say kid, he was probably 25. Well, I was able to lead him to the Lord. And I said, you know, I think the other guy's name was John. I said, you know, John goes to a church on this island and... What I'd like you to do, I had him write down the time and the date when he got saved. I always do that when, when I lead someone to the Lord so they know. And I said, tell John you got saved. Let him know. And so the next time we saw him, I said, did you tell him? He said, oh, yeah. And he, I guess they talked about the church that John goes to and praise God. You know, it's that simple. People are so hungry to hear the word of God and to find out who he is and to find out about heaven. They know that there is something going on here and that they need, to, they need hope. Okay, so in James 5, 16 through 18, it says... Uh, let's go up a little. Let's go to 13. Is anyone among you afflicted, ill-treated, suffering evil? That's probably every one of you. He should pray. Is anyone glad at heart? He should sing praise to God. 
Is there anyone among you sick? He should call in the church elders, the spiritual guides, and they should pray over him, anointing him with oil in the Lord's name. And the prayer that is of faith will save him who is sick, and the Lord will restore him. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. What a powerful prayer. You call on the elders of the church to anoint you with oil, and the prayer of faith will save you who is sick, and the Lord will restore you. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Why sit there in the seat or why sit at home if you're going through something? Call the pastors immediately. Get prayer. Sometimes there's a sin that has happened that you don't even maybe realize about it or God said don't do this and you did it and you forgot about it. One thing you have to always remember, if you pray and God answers that prayer, immediately thank him. I've made it a point to immediately, even if it's something little, to immediately thank him for it. Anyway, but this is how important it is to have the elders pray over you. People don't realize it. Even if there's some sin you've committed and you don't even realize it, it's forgiven. And the prayer that is of faith will save him who is sick and the Lord will restore him. If, if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. For the earnest, heart-filled, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. The earnest, now think about this, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer. Earnest, heartfelt, and continued prayer. Of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working. So when you pray like this, you have power, tremendous power available to you, dynamic in its working. Hallelujah. This power comes to you when you pray fervently. Elijah was a human being with a, with a nature such as we have with feelings, affections, and constitution like ours, and he prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. That's a prayer. And then he prayed again, and the heavens supplied rain, and the land produced its crops as usual. Hallelujah. My brethren, if anyone among you strays from the truth and falls into error and another person brings him back to God, let the latter one be sure that whoever turns a sinner from his evil course will save that one's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins, procure and pardon and of the many sins committed by the convert. This is why we don't sit and gossip about someone who blows it. Pray for them. Try to bring them back in. Love on them. Good night. If, if, if my sins were flashed in front of people from my past, you would probably all faint. Who wants your sins out there or whatever? But God says love one another. Bring each other in. It's so important when new people come to the church we can talk to our family any old time. Go and make over them. Make them feel wanted and, and greeted. The communion can be put away later. There's not a rush. There's not a big old rush to get out of here. When you, It's important that we learn to love and fellowship with one another because I'm going to tell you, your church family is going to be closer to you than your natural family. Some of you are very blessed to have your natural family in church. But I will tell you, when, when push comes to shove, it's your church family that's going to be there for you.
or it better be, or there's something wrong if it isn't. Amen? So fervent prayer availeth much. In Luke 18, 1 through 8, wasn't planning on this one being a, I'm not in a big old fat rush to um, finish off a sermon. I will tell you, I want you to get everything out of it you're supposed to get. I don't care if something goes on for three months. If that's the way God wants it, fine. I'd prefer it to be over in one day. Luke 18, 1 through 8. You're doing communion this morning, honey. Please. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up. They, they ought always to pray, not to turn coward, faint, Lose heart and give up. Lose heart. That's a big one. I've prayed and it didn't happen overnight. I've prayed many things and it did not happen overnight. Standing for this church has been a long time prayer and I'm not giving up. You all understand what I'm saying? It would be very easy to say, oh, I'm going to go retire and go live in Hawaii. You know, I'm not against anybody's thinking that, but God hasn't told us to do that. He's stand, be stable, do what I've told you to do no matter what. Don't look, don't look at circumstances or situations. We have no idea who is listening to, to the airways and what they're hearing. I, I know that I get some things feedback on that, but we have no idea who our lives are touching. It doesn't matter. You just have to do what God tells you to do, but, but don't turn coward, don't faint, don't lose hope, and don't give up. We are not called to give up ever, no matter what. And he said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither reverenced and feared God nor respected or considered him or considered man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, protect and defend and give me justice even my adversary against my adversary. Protect and defend and give me justice against my adversary. And for a time he would not, but later he said to himself, Though I have neither reverence or fear of God or respect or consideration for man, yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will defend and protect and avenge her, lest she give me intolerant annoyance and wear me out <laughs> by her continual coming, or at last she come and rail on me or assault me or strangle me. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not our just God defend and protect and avenge his elect, his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he defer them and delay help on their behalf? I tell you, he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily. However, when the Son of Man cometh, he he will will he find persistence and faith on the earth will he find persistent faith on the earth when he comes well as far as i'm concerned me and my household he will come and he will find persistent faith on the earth no matter what And you have to make a decision because I do not want Jesus coming back and not finding persistent faith in this person. 
or that person over here sitting with a red tie on himself or in any of you He also told the parable to some people who trusted in themselves and were confident in what they in in that they were righteous that they were upright and in right standing with God and scorned and made nothing of all the rest of men. Two men went up to the temple and then it goes on read that later. So we've got number 1 what promises God's is a covenant God. We're to know his promises and follow his promises. Number two, prayer. To experience the impossible become possible. We must have the effectual and fervent prayer which availeth much. We have to have that, church. God, Jesus is expecting faith from us when he comes back. He's expecting it. Number three is praise. To experience the impossible, becoming possible, we must praise and worship God even in impossible situations. To experience the impossible, becoming possible, we must praise and worship God even in impossible situations turn everything off just turn everything off you know it's interesting to me and I am really proud of my husband I never ever thought I would see the day but when they quit respecting God on the football field he has not watched football since and if every anybody knows pastor in football Sunday was football day. Monday night was football night. I don't know whether, what other night. We did not watch the commercials. But I told him, I said, I, I highly respect you for that. Because he loves it. I'm not doubting anybody else. I'm not, but if anybody knew my husband and, and watching football, and I said, does it bother you? Not really. Because he, he in his heart, he had to make a stand before God on how he felt of these people that are not for our country, that are, the football commissioner should have done something. I'll just put it bluntly, but I won't go any further. Okay. All right. In Acts 16, 25 and 26, all you men out there know how much you loved football. So i I respect him highly in that. I couldn't believe it. This year his team might win the... I don't even, we don't even know where his team is. He might. I don't. That'd be a winner, wouldn't it? Okay, Acts 16, 25 and 26. Now here is some, some praise. How many remember? How, would, how many would like to be in prison? I could honestly tell you, if Hillary had gotten in, some of us were probably going to go to prison because she flat out was very clear about Christianity in America, that it was not going to be any longer. Okay? So here we go. Acts 16, 25. But about midnight, as Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them, suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the very foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once the doors were opened and everyone's shackles were unfastened. When the jailers startled out of his sleep, saw the prison doors were open. He drew his sword and was on the point of killing himself because he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Can you imagine? 
that kind of praise? How many want that, these things to happen? Nothing's impossible with God. They're in prison praying and praising God, and God opens up, takes the shackles off of them, and flings open all the doors. Do you realize when you start praising what takes place? Second Chronicles, go back and read it. They began to praise, and God sent ambushments against all those others. Praise you, Jesus. This is exciting to me. I don't know how exciting it is to you, but it's exciting to me. All we've got to do is start doing what he says to do. The whole earth. Well, I think I'm on page two, but. Paul and Silas praised in the midst of the impossible situation. They praised God when they were in agony inside of a prison. God responded to their praise to deliver them. To experience the impossible, we must praise God with our whole heart, even in impossible situations. Don't despair if you are facing a mountain today. Don't despair. We've all faced mountains, and we all will face mountains. Psalms 149, 6 through 9. I'm wrapping it up in a second. You getting anything out of this? I hope we're all seeing areas that maybe we slacked off on and maybe we need to turn some things around. You know, there's a song that says, God is about to turn some things around. Da -dun -da -dun -da -dun. God is about to turn some things, and well, he's about to turn some, he has turned them, it's already started. People are just going, what on earth happened? I sat there and watched that Juan Williams that I always, we don't watch the news, I can't stand it, but that night we watched, I said, it's getting ridiculous sitting here staring at a TV, waiting for it to change from 2.34 or whatever it was. That guy was getting greener and greener because all of them thought that Miss Hillary was going to get it. She might get it all right. She might get locked up. All right. Psalms 149, 6 through 9. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and a two-edged sword in their hands to wreak vengeance upon the nations and chastisements upon the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written he the lord is the honor of all his saints praise the lord hallelujah in other words he's saying here as we praise god was we let the high uh, verse five let's go up i'm going to do the whole whole thing are you got communion ready okay praise ye the lord in psalms 149 verse 1 praise ye the lord sing unto sing unto the lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints let israel rejoice in him that made him let the children of zion be joyful in their king let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with a timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek his, with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishment upon the people to bind the kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written this honor have all his saints praise you the lord hallelujah we haven't it's an honor to praise god what happens when we start praising god the enemies is turned around Anything that's trying to come against us is immediately has to stop. S just stop. 
according to what the Word of God says. So praise is important. Knowing the Word is important. Prayer is important. Praise is important. We can't live without it. It has to be a part of our lives, church. We're here going to the other side. And we're getting there quickly. Quickly. Thank God. We should be rejoicing today. We should come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. How many know that song? Anybody ever heard that song? Bringing in the sheaves. I could never figure out what a sheave was when I was first saved. I didn't know anything when I was first saved. Nothing. I didn't know how to pray. My way of prayer was, hey, God, here I am. I mean, I'm sure pastor just sat there because he was raised in a church that said beautiful prayers. And here I am. Here I am, and this is what I need in Jesus' name. How do you think Jesus wants you to come to him? Right out of your heart. I mean, I don't pray that way anymore. You guys would probably look at me like, wow, she hasn't grown much in her prayer life. But you know what? I kind of liked it that way, quite frankly. But I will tell you, when God and I get down to pray, it's him and I. And I just talk to him. I honor, respect, but I just talk to him and expect and know that he's listening. But I have to make time for me to listen back. I have, to, I have to make sure that I've given him time to talk to me. I hope you all got something because things are getting, things are moving mightily. 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 Hmm. I thank you. Had fun with you. Would you like to be locked up? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I have seen the Lord that which I also deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he betrayed, gave thanks out the bread. Take eat this my body which is uh, broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner he took, also took the cup which he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You know, that one, there's that one song that we sang uh, this morning. Uh, he's our, our redemption, our healer, our refuge, our strength. And it's all because of the cross. Because he was willing to do something that, uh, actually, I don't think uh, nobody would want to do, to suffer uh, for someone else's uh, sins. So, praise God. I think we'll just... uh, Open up the communion table. Just, just everybody, just pick up their own emblems, and uh, then once everybody gets their emblems, we'll go ahead and partake together. So, give me a moment here. Y'all hear him? Of course mm-hmm. he did. Okay. I forgot. Next, I believe next Sunday is missions, and that's when we're going to collect the money to send for their Christmas because they have to get it there. It takes a while to get it there, so. I want to give you a heads up and before we do this. And Dan, I want to thank you for doing such a good job while we were gone. And Laurel, you also. Praise God. And you, Terry, also. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, put some music on, and um, you can file up and pick up your emblems. Um, I'm going to open them then. Oh, I did. Okay. 
and uh, once we get our emblems, we'll partake together. Go ahead, put that music on. Thank you, Heather. I think, or I believe that all heaven is anxious, seeing what is taking place here on earth, all the prophecies coming to pass for the second return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it says the Father only knows, and he'll tell the Son. So, I mean, I think even Jesus is a little bit anxious seeing, seeing things coming to pass, knowing that uh, the family is going to come together. We're going to be at that table together, and we'll all receive um, And, of course, all the saints up there are expecting, too. There's a great expectation. There's going to be a suddenly one these nights. Or days. Uh, so that's fantastic. Just get be ready. We got to be ready. We just have to be ready. Uh, pray without ceasing, giving thanks always. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. Look, as we look to the this bread that represents the body of Jesus, which is broken, bruised, had stripes upon it. For all sicknesses and diseases, Father God, that would come our way. And Father, even the mental capacities, Father God, that torture men. Thank you, Lord, it was accomplished and taken care of through the body. So, Father, we receive this bread as a token of that fulfilled promise in Jesus' name. In the Jewish Passover, when they would say what took place of their forefathers, they'd say, it would be enough. It would have been enough that this took place. It would have been enough if that took place. It would have been just enough that God would deliver us from our body frailments, sicknesses and disease, the mental capacities. It would have been enough, but he went further. He shed his blood. And this cup represents, Jesus says, the new covenant bringing us into, making us 
part of the family, adopted, and as someone who's adopted, you share all the benefits that the family has. So we thank you, Father, for the shed blood of Jesus that washes away our sin, that we can be called the sons and daughters of God, that we are blood washed, we are the redeemed, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And our forefathers in our country, after a couple of years here, they decided to have a Thanksgiving Day. And we're going to be able to celebrate it. But every day should be a Thanksgiving Day. But on... on in November, as they celebrate it, we need to celebrate it too. We look forward to it. So let's all stand. Father, we're praising you. We just give you thanks. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true and that nothing is impossible to you, Father God. And Father God, you even pass that baton to us, Father God, that if we can believe, nothing is impossible to us. So Father, we praise you, we just give you thanks that you've given us this great country to live in, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, that as being blessed, Father God, we can bless the world, Father God, by sending the gospel out. So, Father, we praise you. We just give thanks that each and every one of us, Father God, loves you so dearly. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen.